Hi everyone, and welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched and we'll be talking about Mary Poppins Returns. Jan, do you want to tell us a bit about this movie? I sure do. Mary Poppins Returns is a 2018 film. It is directed by Rob Marshall, written by David McGee, and based on the book series Mary Poppins by P.L. Travers. It stars Emily Blunt, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Ben Winshaw, Emily Mortimer, Julie Walters, Dick Van Dyke, Angela Lansbury, Colin Firth, Meryl Streep, as well as many others. Paul? What's Mary Poppins Returns about? Jane and Michael Banks, the children from the first Mary Poppins, have grown up. Michael has three children and is a widower. And without his wife, he has lost touch with the day-to-day necessities of life and hasn't been repaying the loan that he took out on his house. So the bank... uh, threatens to repossess the house. Meanwhile, Mary Poppins returns to take care of his three children, Georgie, John, and Annabelle. Mary Poppins does magic, the kids and adults learn lessons, and they don't lose their house after all. The end. (laughs) And there's a lamplighter. And there's a lamplighter who, in, ter- in plot terms, he's there. <laughs> Does he contribute to the plot? Oh, he climbs Big Ben, but doesn't actually do anything. So no, he contributes nothing to the plot. <laughs> <laughs> he provides, he t- contributes as much to the plot as, like, the bank's children. <laughs> he's yeah. Just, he's just another child. Yeah, he's he's... A fourth child that Mary Poppins is nannying. <laughs> and a love interest for Jane Banks. I guess. Um, so, do we want to start, before we get to objectively, do we want to just briefly talk about the legacy of this movie and our uh, interaction with it? Sure. You mentioned the books. Have you read any of the Mary Poppins books? I don't think so. If I have, I've forgotten. Have you? I have not. I definitely have not. I remember being a kid and watching Mary Poppins. My mom, uh, both my parents, but my mom especially, like, hates Mary Poppins, the original movie. (laughs) She says, like, uh, Julie Andrews is the only good thing about that movie. Um, But I remember being a kid and watching it. She's not a big children's movie person in general. I remember being a kid and watching it and like the moment when Julie Andrews is singing the like sweet song and knitting and my parents, I forget which one, but one saying to the other like, Mary Poppins would never do that. And being very confused because like, how do you know what Mary Poppins would do? We're watching the movie right now. (laughs) She's doing it. But like, Mary Poppins in the book is kind of mean. Ah. So, like, the sweet singing a lullaby while knitting is because they had Julie Andrews. And so Julie Andrews sings a sweet song that makes everyone feel happy. Mm -hmm. Mary Poppins does not sing a sweet song that makes everyone feel happy. Uh, That's about all I know about the book, is 
they book Mary Poppins as much harsher than Julie Andrews' portrayal. Mm-hmm. And then Emily Blunt's portrayal, probably. Yeah. I wonder, I'm very curious, and I'm not going to... I mean, maybe one day I will, but there were differences in how M- Emily Blunt portrays uh, Mary Poppins, and I wonder whether she was further or closer to the book. Because I don't think she was doing a Julie Andrews impression. No. Uh, so I wonder whether... Mostly out of curiosity, I wonder whether this skews closer or further to the closer to or further from the book version of Mary Poppins, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Unlike my parents, I quite like the original Mary Poppins movie. Um, it's not like my favorite movie ever. It's not like one of these ones that comes up every once in a while that like I have enormous amounts of affection for. But I do have quite a lot uh, of fond feelings towards it. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah, same. I mean, the original Mary Poppins came out in like 1965. So it's been just kind of in the cultural zeitgeist for a long time. I personally watched it. Yeah, definitely watched it as a kid. I've watched it as an adult a few times. I, the songs are extremely familiar to me. They're just, you know, songs that you sing, songs that you know. When I was a kid, the slow Feed the Birds Tuppence (laughs) song was like, it took a thousand years and I hated it. It was boring. Yeah. But as an adult, I quite like it. Um, So I, so definitely I have a lot of affection for specifically Julie Andrews. Mm -hmm. Uh, Between that and Sound of Music. There was a that was a lot of my childhood music exposure was like Mary was Julie Andrews, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you said, it's not similar to me. It's not necessarily like my favorite movie, but it's definitely one that I have always enjoyed. We should talk about the original Mary Poppins on this show sometime because yeah, so I have serious thoughts about the original Mary Poppins. Yes, definitely. But let's move forward to what we're talking about now. Objectively speaking, how good a job is everyone doing on Mary Poppins Returns, do you think? I think that this is a well-made movie. The uh, acting, the costumes, the sets, the, the singing is all quite well done. I don't think the songs will ever be as classic as the old movie, mm-hmm. but I quite enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's definitely got uh, energy in the, all the right places. Yeah. And it the story makes sense. I think the plotting is good. Yeah. I'll agree with that for sure. What about you? I think you mentioned like costume sets, and I'll add to that effects, were mm. outstanding. Yeah. Costume sets and effects were outstanding, I think. Like so good, especially costumes, frankly. The costumes were so good throughout. Um, performances, I thought uh, Emily Blunt was actually surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julie Andrews is enormous shoes to fill. And I thought Emily Blunt did. I thought mm-hmm. she was great. Yeah. I thought Lin-Manuel Miranda has like personal charm and charisma coming out his ears. Um, but, and he's a great great singer and uh dancer but is not a great actor and like 
was that an inside joke that his was he trying specifically to do a Cockney accent worse than Dick Van Dyke's? <laughs> I don't know. I must be. I think it must it kind be that of he was. was specifically trying to be even worse than Dick Van Dyke because he was. Yeah, <laughs> that was. I don't know if he was worse, but he was similar. As a as an act. Cockney accent, it was worse than Dick Van Dyke's. <laughs> it was so terrible. And that, like, you know, I've always, I always love Lin Manuel Miranda, but I have said before and I'll say again that it's not as an actor that he uh, is a genius, right? Yeah. It is as a um, writer that he is a, like, outstanding talent. Mm-hmm. As an actor, he's fine. <laughs> I think I like him better than you do. I think he has... It's like this weird confusion, right? Because he has a lot of personal charisma. Like, he's he's seems like he's having a blast, and it's that makes it kind of fun to see him on screen, but he's not a great... He's not doing a great job. He's just a likable person. That is utter nonsense. <laughs> utter nonsense, and I... Could not disagree with you more, and I will disagree with you, especially in front of all of these people listening. I thought the uh, kids no. were surprisingly good. Yes, they, they were. were great, actually. They were great. And in fact, specifically in the scene where they all have to like hold flaming torches near the <laughs> end, I was like, how are they getting these kids to both act and hold flaming torches? Like the one little boy you could tell was a little bit like, he couldn't dance and hold that flaming torch at the same time. But like... <laughs> Fairly good, still. I was, yeah. And the older kids, especially, were were quite good, Yeah, I think. They did, uh, you know, it's not like the standout, wonderful performance, but, like, it's they're good child actors. Yeah, which agreed. Which is hard to, hard to achieve. They did the, the like, damn with faint, pra- faint praise, but, like, they didn't ever drag the movie down at all. No, and exactly. it's easy for three child actors to three child semi-leads mm-hmm. to drag a movie like this down. Yeah, exactly. And I at very least avoided that. And I thought there were moments where they were actually quite charming. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you totally. The mu- the music was very enjoyable in the moment, but ultimately forgettable. Mm-hmm. I think all of the music was like fun while it was on, not very ground. Like it was very um, uh, like ventriloquizing the original yeah every song was like i know which song this is which this is this movie's version of this this song from the other movie yeah that's true and i was like so it's fine but there isn't a breakout song from this movie Mm -hmm. i would i think um but the performances were all good the the don't judge a book by its cover song is not a great song but was a pretty great performance i think Mm -hmm. uh there was some standout, like, yeah, dance numbers. Like, the whole lamp lighting number was amazing. That was great dancing. That was, like, choreography. That is outstanding choreography. I'll agree. And and singing and whatnot. That, that I felt like, was the one part where uh, Emily Blunt lacked a little bit. It was in her dancing. Yeah. She was not as, uh, I mean... As Lin-Manuel Miranda, she was definitely not as good of a dancer as he is. No. And and even he, he was a little bit the uh, thing that happens where the leads aren't as good dancers as all their backup. Yeah. And she was much more like... There was definitely moments in that scene I noticed that were like, they shot her from the waist up. 
Yeah. Like they were all doing fancy footwork and they would focus on her and they wouldn't show her footwork. Which is fine because she was doing a lot in that movie. It's okay. Yep. I just something I noticed that she isn't necessarily the strongest dancer. I have to, in terms of objective uh, judgments of the writing, I, you said it was made a lot of sense and was a, a good story. I just want to add to that that I think the crucial moment where they turn back time was like very well executed mm -hmm. because they set up from the very beginning of the movie that Big Ben is running fast. She doesn't turn back time by turning back time. She just stops the clock to set the clock to be right. Mm -hmm. Like that was all like all the pieces clicked in place. And it's one of my favorite experiences of a movie where I see where the story is going just a little bit before it goes there. Yeah. Exactly. I don't like seeing it so far ahead of time that uh, everyone in the movie seems stupid. Yeah, And exactly. I don't like not seeing it because that makes me feel stupid. Or because if I can't see it coming, it hasn't been seated. Yeah, exactly. You know, if it's out of the blue, then like, oh, the solution. And, and actually, the solution to the problem that his tuppence was invested for enough money to buy his house, that was out of the blue and nonsense and weak storytelling mm, yes that was a that's an example of that wasn't seated and that's weak writing. Mm -hmm. yeah but the turning back time was strong writing yeah absolutely yeah anything else to say in objective terms no i think we could move on hi it's paul here interrupting the podcast to tell you something i'm very excited about when I'm not hosting podcasts, I teach English literature at university, and I just started a new online school to teach English literature. If you like reading and studying and understanding and thinking deeply about literature, but going to university is not desirable or practical for you right now, come study with me. I have five courses already planned out and more to come. The first one, studying Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, begins in the first week of February. You can find out more, including how to register, at clockworksacademy.com. Alright, back to the show. Non-objectively, how much did you enjoy this movie? I enjoyed it quite a lot, actually. I, uh don't think it will not not i don't think it definitely won't replace mary poppins in my mind this is not now the like when i think let's watch mary poppins i'm thinking of this one now uh but we saw it in theaters i enjoyed seeing it in theaters mm -hmm. i enjoyed being there at the end during the credits there was a this like birthday party of a bunch of maybe nine-year-old girls or so that all went up and danced in the front, and then our girls went and joined them. Yeah. And that was a blast. Yeah, absolutely. And so I have a lot of... Uh, I had a lot of enjoyment in Tonight at the Movies. Mm hmm How about you? Yeah, same. I had a lot of fun. I think I probably enjoyed it slightly more than you did. I think that it was a perfect sequel to that movie. Like, it doesn't replace because it's not meant to. It's meant to be a sequel. And I think it was worth waiting those, you know, 60 years to get the sequel, 50 years to get the sequel. <laughs> uh, and 
I'm really glad I saw it in theaters. Those big bombastic musical numbers with the and dance numbers really popped on a big screen and really uh the costuming like I talked about really popped on a big screen so I'm very glad that I saw it in theater like they did and uh I think the songs are gonna stick with me you said they weren't but I think I'm probably gonna play this soundtrack tomorrow and enjoy it so maybe we'll see I think like you know I like a musical yep and I liked this musical. I thought this was a good musical where like the songs were really fun. Mm-hmm. They, in it, the spirit of, uh, both in the spirit of Mary Poppins and in the spirit of like kind of a 60s musical in general, mm. they like had songs that just were bonkers yeah. in the best kind of way. Yeah. Uh, I think. And I compare it a little bit when I think about, like, I like a musical. I compare it to, like, The Greatest Showman, which I came out of being like, this music in this musical was crummy. And we disagreed about that. That's not you Well, that's why I assumed that we would with this, because I assumed that every time I like something, you don't like it. (laughs) This music, I thought, this music was good. It just wasn't... uh, in In the music and in every way... This movie, I don't think, adds anything to Mary Poppins. Mm -hmm. If you like Mary Poppins, you'll like this movie. You'll recognize beat by beat things you enjoyed in the first movie are back again, you know, with a palette swap. (laughs) But it's not moving the ball forward at all. And it's not moving the ball forward musically. There's no song in this that is better than its equivalent in the original movie. I think... Well, speaking of moving the ball forward, <laughs> let's get into the way, 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 way portion of our show. Because I think that there are some moving forward aspects of this movie. What are those, do you think? There's a couple of things. I'll start first with uh, women, where the... Mother in the first movie is a suffragette campaigning for the rights of women to vote. And in this movie, you have her daughter wearing pants Mm -hmm. uh, and campaigning for uh, union rights and workers' rights. Mm -hmm. And so I really liked that as a continuation of the daughters of the suffragettes went on to uh, found to help the workers and help the working class. And there's a bit of it in the original Mary Poppins. I don't want to like overly, so I'll say it very briefly. But in the original Mary Poppins, it's a little ambiguous whether the mother as a suffragette is inspirational or ridiculous. I won't say what I how I read it, but it's possible to mm-hmm. read it. You know, it's a little ambiguous. Yeah. This movie, it's not ambiguous. That like Jane working for. Uh, unions and the workers like there's no wink mockery of that in this movie not at all yeah and in fact i really like that it's explicitly uh said that jack should come along with her and like she's fighting for specifically jack's rights Mm -hmm. and he thanks her for it yeah and that's kind of cool um there's also the 
Uh, it's not a lily white London. Yeah, that's nice. Which I really appreciated. Uh, there was several, yeah, actors of color. There was the bank guy, the secretary, the, and then like some of the lamplighters. So it was like we said about Paddington too. It was just they made positive changes because it's 2018 and because it's representing what London actually is like and was like in the 30s. Like, this isn't a change from... Yeah. I think... uh, Yeah. Basically. I think I wondered a little bit whether... um, I think this is a step forward... But I wonder a little bit whether, like, you can be the secretary, uh, you can be the banker who gets, uh, or you can be the lawyer who gets five lines. I'd rather see people of color existing, but it's still, like, pretty background roles. Yes. I mean, it is still 1935 in the movie. And so it's, That's true. You can't pretend like they're going to be the manager of the bank. And so, well, by that token, then, I don't think... I don't think it's more plausible that he's a lawyer than that he would be the manager of the bank. Yeah, fair enough. Right? If you're going for realism in terms of how race affects class in 1930s London, I don't think that you have a black lawyer. You may be right. Maybe I'm wrong and prove me wrong. Yeah. But, like, uh, I don't know. I liked liked seeing it anyway, though. And I definitely totally agree, like... London should not be Lily White. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda is Puerto Rican mm-hmm. and plays Cockney. And there were many uh, of the dancers. <laughs> technically. <laughs> technically. Many of the dancers <laughs> were uh, actors of color. And it's just like, yeah, that kind of thing more rounded out yeah. the idea of London. I totally agree. Despite being about, like, it's really about upper class. And while I'm praising uh, Jane for working for unions and whatnot, there's also an element of, like, white savior feminism there Mm -hmm. that I'm going to step in and tell you what you need. Yeah. Yeah, and they didn't, I don't think, I think there is some issues there, but I don't think there's, they just didn't give it enough attention for us to make any intelligent judgment one way or the other. Yeah. Right? It was just kind of a little bit of flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think it's interesting. I keep trying not to, but I can't help but keep comparing it to the original movie. It's interesting the kind of story that you tell in the 60s and the kind of story that you tell in 2019. Mm. Because in the 60s, this is a story about how uh, social norms are moving and changing and traditional values aren't what they used to be. And uh, Mr. Banks, who has worked to be a banker and to get to follow the rules that society has taught him he's supposed to follow is finding that the things that that has gotten him are is hollow. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2019, um, you can't, 
work enough to be able to afford your house is the story that we're telling instead. Mm-hmm. That's not Absolutely. social mores or changing story that you get in the 60s mm-hmm. about the 10s. Uh, you tell a story about the 30s in 2019. You tell a story about how um, the banks want to own everything and uh, the individual can't afford to live yeah right yeah absolutely i really like how michael banks in this is an artist Mm -hmm. who took on working at the bank to because the bills needed to be paid who is not like his father at all because he wouldn't be Mm. i was worried going into this that he was going to be just like just like his father but he has moments where he snaps at the children in exactly the same way that George Banks did, but he immediately apologizes every time. Yep. And he immediately knows why he's done it and that it's because he's upset. And even later on, it's because he has lost his wife. He knows that that's uh, what's making him sad and upset and snappish at his children. Both. And he cries in front of them. Yeah. Which is a big deal. And just like, you can tell he is a little bit like his father, but he has learned from his father and doesn't want to be his father. I like that progression. There's a lot of nuance. I totally agree in the way that he's written of like, he is like his father and he wants not to be and often succeeds in not being. But, uh, you know, the, the nuance of he still is who he is though mm-hmm. i was thinking like maybe i should uh last mo- podcast was about christopher robin and i also can't help but compare this movie to christopher robin and it might have something to do with my positive feelings for this movie yeah but this is like no like this mm-hmm. um because i came into this movie and the first five minutes or so I thought in my back of my head, I compared this to Christopher Robin and connected it to and was like, why is it that these kids who have magical, wonderful experiences then grow up to be the same bitter, sullen grownups as anyone else? What's the point of that magic childhood? And then the movie did not uh, Mm -hmm. pay out what I was mad that I thought it was going to for a second. Yep. Michael, because of Mary Poppins in his childhood does not grow up to be just another George Banks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mary Poppins, original Mary Poppins is George's story. You know, he's mm-hmm. the one, and this, this movie is Michael's story. Yeah. Um, Even she says when she shows up, I'm here to save the Banks children. And they're like, take care of us? And you're like, oh yeah, you too. When she's, yeah. she's there to save the children. She's there for Michael. Mm-hmm. And I like that Michael's emotional journey is not George's. That's partly because 2019 is not 1965. It's partly because uh, it's a sequel, so it's not the same story. And it's partly because Michael isn't George. He had uh, Mary Poppins as a kid that George didn't. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? I liked all of that a lot. And I also liked the widower. He's a... Like what you said about he's emotionally aware enough to recognize that he's grieving, but still grieving enough to snap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. 
uh, and to be worn down and I thought I really liked the way that they represented that. Mm -hmm. I thought it was very effective and affecting. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think, uh, after all this, uh, good stuff, Mm -hmm. what did you think of Meryl Streep in this movie? Yeah, that was what we need to talk about next. We need to talk (laughs) about Meryl Streep in this movie. They, she plays this vaguely Eastern European... Mm-hmm. fixer of things uh-huh you might say that she is a tinker yes a tinker <laughs> uh-huh. she they lampshade it a little bit when jack says to her you know where's your accent from and mary poppins is like none of us really know so they a little bit lampshade that her accent is stupid like, no one says back to Jack, where's your accent from? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm harping on that a little. Go on. But they still do it. Yeah. They still have this, like, weird Eastern European stereotype. And let's not pussyfoot around. She is a racist gypsy stereotype. Yeah. Okay. Like, why is it Eastern European specifically? Because she's a gypsy stereotype. And I'm yeah. saying that, I recognize that's a slur. I'm saying it, and I hope you'll forgive me, but I'm saying it specifically because you avoid saying the words doesn't mean you're not putting that uh, racist stereotype on the screen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's exactly. a tinker. She, like, she's a fix-it person. And she being... has a shop instead of a caravan, but she's the same... And she's magic. Uh, uh, yeah. And being played by white, white Meryl Streep. Exactly. Who does a good job, but frankly. Yeah. For what that is. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> she's Meryl Streep. Yeah, sure. But it's icky. It just rubbed me the wrong way. And it put a big stain on this movie. Agreed. In like a, why? Why did you need that scene at all? And yeah. it's trying to be the... I love to laugh scene. But it's not. But it ain't. <laughs> yeah. No. I like the the song was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. The premise that the world turns upside down, I think, is just right for the kind of nonsensical universe that this is. Yeah. But the racist stereotype is a racist stereotype. Yeah. And it's not forgivable. I think if he had called out her accent and she had stopped using it, that might have said something interesting. Maybe. Yeah. But I don't know. It was, yeah. It had some problems. Yeah. It was really crummy. Mm Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think was uh, not as bad as that, and bad in a different way, But I already alluded to that, like, oh, your money was invested and your problem is solved was also crappy. Yeah. It was crappy writing because it wasn't earned. Mm -hmm. It's also for reasons, for some of the same things I complained about Christopher Robin yesterday or last week. We recorded it yesterday. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That, like, it was a weird... 
unearned, all your problems aren't problems, go back to your, you know? Yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it was what was, is what they were searching for all along was these things that would help them. Yeah. But then that wasn't the thing that helped them. It was yeah another thing. Like, if he had just come in and accepted the the bank shares without the signatures, that would have been fine. That would have been enough, right? Why did it have Why to be have above to be... and beyond? And you're richer than you know. Yeah. It was a bit. It was a bit much. Yeah. It was a bit much. It was a bit much because the, in the same way that the real social upheaval that uh, the first movie transposed into the 1910s, but was actually about the 1960s, and it was a real upheaval that George Banks had to actually deal with, and he ended the movie in a different situation from how he started it, because the world of the 60s was changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Banks ends the movie... With all his financial problems solved. Yeah. That's not... I mean, that's not escapism. It's uh, an insult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mary Poppins fixes his... Magic fixes his problems okay. That's like fantasy escapism that you're crushing financial uh, <laughs> situation. There's a magical solution to. I can, like the kite and the shares and that was all great but the like the bank is your friend and the investments were all great and your problems weren't really problems to begin with and now you're rich was too much not just plot wise but thematically it was like telling uh vicariously telling a generation's that is racked with anxiety anxiety about uh the economic situation that their anxieties are unfounded yeah and no they're founded yeah (laughs) right good call yeah how about that dick van dyke though how about that dick van dyke when he came in i'd seen clips of him like in this movie and how he looks exactly like they made him up to be uh 50 years ago um i was not expecting him to do a tap dance me neither like i said to the kids it's like there's makeup on his beard but they're not using makeup to make him look old he's as old as he looks how old is dick van dyke he's 93 he's 93 he did a tap dance on a desk yep it's that pretty, was amazing. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Well, they had him in this, and they had, like, an Angela Lansbury cameo. Yeah. But they didn't have Julie Andrews. And I wonder, like, maybe she wasn't available. Maybe she didn't want to. But I was a little sad that I felt like that role that Angela Lansbury had in the park should have been Julie, should Andrews. Have been Julie Andrews. I think I'm willing to bet money. If Julie Andrews didn't cameo in this movie, it's because she didn't want to. Yeah. I don't think there was a scheduling conflict that they wouldn't have worked around. Yeah, I'd say so. I don't I don't think they forgot to ask her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she didn't want to. Yeah. Which is Which fair. Which is fair. Yep. It was too bad for the movie's sake. It would have been great. It would have been the icing on the cake to have yep. Julie Andrews show up. That would have been really great. 
Angela Lansbury, by the way, also 93. Born the same year as Dick Van Dyke. And her voice still sounds like exactly the same as it did in Beauty and the Beast, that's for sure. I was going to say that. Like, if you just played the sound of it, I couldn't pick out the difference between her voice in Beauty and the Beast and her voice in this. It's exactly the same. Mm -hmm. It kind of sounded like an old voice even when she was young. Yeah. Uh, But it doesn't sound like a 93-year-old's voice. Nope. Jeez Louise. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Anything else that is on your mind to talk about taking this movie way too seriously? The song about taking judging a book by its cover, hmm. I really enjoyed that dance number, but it had quite a bit of innuendo yeah. that I was a little, I don't know. I agree. I can't decide exactly what I think about that. No, like, I, I don't mind. I don't mind a little bit of adult humor in my kids' movies to make the adults laugh, but it was a bit too much innuendo. Yeah, I agree. For me, I thought it was too much. I thought yeah. it was inappropriate. Yeah. Even the like. Yeah, and I mean, this isn't so much too seriously. I thought that was uh, too much innuendo for the movie that this was. And I thought the, uh, like, scary carriage ride was also out of place in this movie. Mm, yeah. I get the metaphor that the wolves at the doors that is taking their stuff because they don't have a home. Uh, and that's scary. But, like... It went on a little long. It went on too long. It was too much. It was artificial. Mm-hmm. Like, it was uh, what our least favorite thing is, right? Yep. A artificial conflict in the form of a chase scene. <laughs> but, like, contrived. It was mm-hmm. contrived danger. Yeah. They weren't in real danger. Where is their nanny? <laughs> <laughs> While they're being kidnapped by wolves. This This movie's Mary Poppins was a terrible nanny. Like, her advertised job, she was bad at it. (laughs) Those kids wandered off into danger all All the time. time. True story. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, the other thing of, like, this is not so much too seriously, but just when they're coming home from the bank and they get lost and they have the big dance number and then they come home, uh, Michael, as the father, has a right to be mad. Mm Mm-hmm. And Mary Poppins didn't put them in danger, but put them in emotional danger. Like, that's not nothing mm-hmm. to, like, you, as the person who's supposed to be in the care of these children, contrive things to get their dad to yell at them. Hmm. Yes. That's a good call. That's not okay, Mary. <laughs> She was not practically perfect in every way. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the movie didn't quite notice that. Yeah. So what age do you think this movie is good for? I think the two things that trouble it, we just mentioned. Mm -hmm. The innuendo in the dance scene and the scariness of the wolf scene. Yeah. I think without those two scenes, it would be... Literally all ages. All ages. Yeah. With those two scenes... I think I think the wolf chase scene was scary enough that I would hesitate at around seven or six. Yeah, I was gonna say I'd say six, six, six. and up. 
is kind of a good age. I think for if this. you were six, that wolf scene. If you were six and sensitive, that wolf scene would be too scary. Yeah. If you were a resilient six-year-old, that wolf scene would be fine. But like, mm-hmm. and like our kids were both fine. Yeah, but 100%. Uh, the innuendo. I don't know if that is a problem for any age because it'll go over your head. It'll go over your head until you're old enough to like that it doesn't. By which point, uh, that's the least of your worries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think it's just the scariness that makes me say six. Six at a, at a bottom for me, unless they're particularly not bothered by scariness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it good? Is it seriously good? I think it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think it's good. It's comfortably good. I don't think it's outstanding. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's comfortably good. Yeah, I think it's good. Is it seriously good? It does not hit seriously good because of Meryl Streep. Right? That scene puts a blemish on it. Yeah. And so it can only be medium. Yeah. Only a medium good or whatever we would want to call it. But I feel a bit like with Paddington 1. Mm. Where like, this is not as good a movie as Paddington 1 was just in quality wise, I think. But uh, Paddington 1 was so good. And then it had that hilarious, quote unquote, hilarious cross-dressing scene that just poisoned it. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh. And this movie wasn't as good and maybe not quite as poisoned. Yeah, exactly. But it didn't have as far to fall. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's the same. That Like, cut that scene out and I'd be on board with this movie. Same. Same. Yep. I mean, and it's not enough. This part wouldn't be enough, I think, to poison it. But the, like, the... uh, irresponsible messaging in terms of economics (laughs) (laughs) is a problem to me also yeah fair enough but Meryl Streep's racist stereotype character poisons the goodness I agree Mm -hmm. seriously medium good and seriously medium all right so if you want to let us know if you've seen this movie and you want to let us know you want to say why you think we are right or why we're wrong or what important thing that you're surprised we didn't discuss. You know, I had a conversation with someone about our movies recently where like, I can't believe you didn't talk about this. And I was like, well, uh, we try to aim for half an hour. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So our choices do uh, reveal a bit our priorities, but there may be things that you think we should have prioritized to talk about in this movie. And I would love to hear what those are. And you can let us know on Twitter at WTSCast by email way too seriously cast at gmail.com. You can find us on Reddit and Facebook and Instagram. And those are in the show notes. If you like this show, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash clockworkscast. That'll be amazing. Um, and also, uh, I know everyone, I've said this before and everyone doesn't, everyone has stopped listening to every podcast saying this, but this is your reminder. Rate and review all the podcasts you like, not just this one. They care. They all care that you have done that. So if you haven't done it recently, every podcast you listen to, if you listen to, you like it. And if you like it, 
rate it and review it. Uh, give it five stars and say something nice and you'll make someone's day. And you can do that for us. Is there anything else that we say at this point? Nope. So I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. And hello, Mary Poppins. <laughs> What's all this then? Hello, hello, hello. I'm Cockney. That's, that's exactly what they sound like, isn't it? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs>